Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I'm just going to say this right now. Share this out. Please share this across all your social media platforms. I have the inimitable Tim Story on the show today. You guys are not going to believe this guy. You're not going to believe his story. He's a new friend of mine. I can't even believe I can say that. I'm so honored. So please share this out and stay with us. Let me bring Tim on. Tim, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Ken, when I watch the intro, I like it because everybody's laughing. You must have a lot of humor in your life. <laughs> I, I like to laugh. I, I, I think um, one, of my, one of my sayings is, if it's not fun, I'm probably not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I think that seeing life through the, the lens of humor at least at times, is is very helpful, I have found. I, I agree. I think some people take life far too serious. You know, um, I, I started this show about four years ago, and a little more than that, and, and it's literally been about helping people get unstuck. And mm-hmm. I, I and and that's your I, I think I made this show for you, like because that's like your thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe this. So um I like to start with where you were were born and raised. Yes. Yeah, so I'm I'm from Los Angeles, California. Um the um the city of Compton, California. So um I mean, like many, many families, I think that we were trying to find our way up and out. Father, steel worker for Bethlehem Steel. Mother worked at a donut shop um, of mixed heritage. Uh, my mother's Latin. And um, but in the beginning, Ken, we had literally seven people in a two bedroom apartment. And as I've told that story around the world, I've heard of like more people in smaller uh, spaces, but when you when you're raised with uh, seven energetic people in such a small, cramped, crowded space, yeah. it could really work against you, or in some weird ways, it could work for you. And I think in our case, it worked for us because we kind of uh, bound together and just kept trying to find a way to stretch the boundaries and the barriers and um, that's what began to happen in my life. So that, that was my upbringing, uh, more lower income. Uh, there was never talk about college or anything like that. But uh, as I went on, I started to meet some people that started uh, making me think bigger. I, I've heard um, the story, you know, of something pretty tragic that occurred when you were 10 years old. Um, would you care to you know, kind of touch on that. And yes. And um, thanks for knowing about the story. So, you know, I think Ken, the, the, the interesting thing about life is that 
right when you think you're doing okay, um, we had moved from uh, that particular city and we had now moved to a three bedroom house, which was like a celebration. We'd been there for only one year and my father went to get my mother food at a restaurant. You know, this is the day before where you can do DoorDash and these other Uber Eats and they bring yeah. it to your house. So he went to get food for my mother at a restaurant and he's just, Ken, he's just going through a green light and a man runs a red light, hits him and takes his life. And, you know, bless the man's heart. He later came to our house and apologized and was oh. just not paying attention. And uh, so we lost my dad. And part of the challenge of that is that um, if you look at life in a biblical standpoint, the, the man of the house, if, if he's a good man, should be guiding his children, guarding his children, and governing his children. To guide, to guard, to govern. Now, you take that out, and my mother didn't really have that skill set. Right. She was not really good at guiding. She was good enough at guarding, but she didn't know how to, guard, uh, to govern or administrate. And it left a big vacuum in our house that took years to come back from. And you were the youngest of how many siblings? Uh, so five kids. So five. three, three, three sisters that were all like eight years older than me, seven years older, six years older than a brother that was three years older. Okay. And so I was the, uh, the youngest of, of the children. And I think that um, it was strange when my father died, Ken, all the coping mechanisms were different. I didn't see one uh, sibling cope the same way. Uh, one got married early, my older sister. My other sister, who is very artsy, almost kind of hippie, a, a, a hippie from Compton. <laughs> <laughs> she used to listen to James Taylor and Carol King. I was like, what is this? <laughs> and then uh, my other sister, uh, became a model um, and she uh, moved out. And, and then my brother just went missing in action. A very handsome guy, very nice guy. Just started hanging out with his friends, was always with his friends. So it was strange. I was now pretty much left alone with my mother in that house, which was a little bit wow. cold and awkward. What was it? I, I I mean, you go from I'm I'm assuming your father was a major part of the breadwinning in the house. So what I mean, how did that financial dynamic? Because I, I the reason I ask this is I'm always curious. You know, I was raised in a very poor family and yeah. had to start working young. Like, where was the shift? Because I know you had to take on some financial responsibility at some point, right? Yes. Yeah. So what, what happens, Ken, this is so interesting, is that my father quietly made some good steps. And what happened is we later found out that there was a man that worked at Bethlehem Steel that said to my father, uh, whose name was Tony Story, Anthony Story. Uh, did you know you can get uh, this type of life insurance? And that did you know that you can get this kind of insurance that if you were to pass, they'll pay off your house? He didn't know this stuff. We later find this out in life. So 
we went from struggling, trying to make our way up. And then the next thing you know, our house was paid off. Wow. And the next thing you know, there was this insurance money that was coming in. So my mother, my mother didn't dialogue with us on why we were seeming to find our way interesting in a better way. Cause wow. I started noticing like, wow, we just got a new couch. And, uh, now my mother's saying you can buy those little league baseball cleats instead of where are your brothers. So it, it wasn't like from zero to eight, but it was like from three to five. Right. And but good good on my dad for thinking about those things because wow. at that time he must have been only 38 years of age when he was making those choices. And my wife is on here and she says, what a blessing. It really is a blessing. You know, so, so you went from, wow, at 10 years old, you had all of that, that happened. I yeah. did. I heard you say that you had a sister that, that passed away um, at a couple yeah. of years later. Just like literally two years later. And, and, oh. and Ken, that was, that was devastating. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because my sister, um, Viola, uh, who is named after one of my mother's friends, like V-I-O-L-A, you don't hear that yeah. name much. Yeah, uh -uh. Uh, there is an actress named Viola Davis. But my sister Viola was so great to me, and she passed at only 20. But she's the one that uh, taught me art. She was very good at uh, acrylic painting, water painting, and so even when I was like nine, 10, 11, 12, she would invite me in a room and we would paint and, and she was the hippie. So again, yeah. we, we were listening to Carol King and James Taylor and you know, we're minorities. <laughs> yeah. but, but the interesting thing about life interruptions again, and to me, a life interruption, I write about this in my new book, The Miracle Mentality, is that you can just be minding your own business and people have life interruptions every year of their life. It could be they find out they have lupus. Uh, they find out that there's uh, challenges in one of their children that they didn't know about. Or, you know, we have a, a worldwide pandemic. Yeah. And <clears throat> this life interruption was in the form of her and her two good friends that were sisters went to San Francisco to go visit the two sisters' brothers. They're all Christians. They're happy. They're pretty girls. And the one girl thinks that there's an off-ramp, but it's so foggy up in San Francisco and literally goes off this freeway down a cliff. Oh. And so my sister passes. The other two women just get bruised and they lived. And thank God they lived. But I tell you, that was a tough one because I was just getting over my father's thing. And man, I, I lost part of my soul because my sister was so kind to me, you know, and oh. I, I needed that because my mother's a little tougher and my sister Viola was very kind to me. Wow. I can't, I can't even imagine. So, you know, I, I one uh, another very favorite quote of mine is um, pain is the predecessor of all wisdom. And, yes. and, and, 
you know, here you are at 12 years old. Hey, look who's watching with us right now. James Barber, the one and only. The one and only. And we were talking so many great things about him. And we were both saying about you, James, that out of all the entertainers I know, I mean, literally one of the best at all times. And I was just listening to his music this morning. Were you really? Literally this morning. I told him a few weeks ago, I listened to him probably every four days. Yeah. Wow. Well, I he's he's one of my dearest friends in the world too. He's who connected you and I. So thank yes. you, James. You're mm-hmm. you're amazing. Um, so so at 12 years old, you're you're being um how 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 do I put it? You're 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 being given huge doses of wisdom against your will, but like yeah. lots of pain. A, a, a lot a lot of challenges that, that's gonna cause me to have to do what you just said and what's I see there on your podcast, breakthrough walls. Yeah. So what happened, because you can imagine we already had walls. Yeah. Which would have been like the way we were raised, uh, lower income, father, 10th grade education, sixth grade, mother, sixth grade education. So now can, as you know, because you teach this, is that the walls can actually start getting higher. So, and I think that what happens is that most people become intimidated and frustrated when the walls go higher. Yep. Intimidated, frustrated, and then they begin to freeze in the frustration. What happened with you? How how were your teenage years? Did you did you did you take the path I took and get arrested? <laughs> I'm no, but I- I cannot, I cannot picture you as one who got arrested. I got 12 years old, Tim, first time. Anyway, we won't, we won't go there, but, but like, did what, what happened with your life? Cause I know I, 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 you see it. Like, you know, we talked about um, somebody else close to you in, in your life that, you know, made the news and other people that, yeah. you know, like a lot of people take, you you talk about going left, like you talk, yeah. right? So like, where did you go at 12 years old? All of this pain is thwarted up on you. What what happened? Well, because you, you're so good at doing your homework. Let's go there for a second. I I created a message that, that went around the world. I probably spoke it in 30 countries that sometimes you have to go left before you get right. Mm. And I see, I see this in so many people. Like, let's take Charlie Sheen, because I'll, I'll mention some people that don't mind me talking about him. It's so easy for people to look at Charlie and just go, oh, what a mess, what a mess, what a mess. No, not necessarily. Don't, don't forget Platoon. Right. Don't forget Wall Street with Michael Douglas. Yep. Don't forget Two and a Half Men. That guy made history with that show. And Charlie is one of my great friends and he really adheres to this idea of, you know, sometimes you have to go left to get right. In fact, Kanye West has a new song on his last album. That's from my conversations with him about you have to sometimes go left to, to get right. And I think that my going left in the area of people dying, going left in feeling 
and knowing that we were lower income made me want to get right. Now, now I did not know how to get right. So there's three ways you get right. Number one is education. Number two is conversation. Number three is observation. So my sixth grade teacher, Mr. Probert, started really challenging me and he, he actually called me brilliant. He said, Tim, I think you are brilliant and I'm going to bring the brilliance out of you. Can you imagine wow. that a Caucasian teacher talking to an inner city kid would say, I brand you brilliant. That's but I'm so proud awesome. of myself that I did not push away what he said about me. I did my best to embrace it. Okay. So that was education. Conversation, uh, Candace, is what we're doing now. That's why I'm yeah. so glad you're doing this podcast. Because I think sometimes people are one great conversation away from a better life. Amen. Okay, the third is observation. And we have to find people that we relate to. And we relate to their story. We relate to their pain. We relate to their skill set. And we kind of say, wow. If they could do it, maybe I could do it. If they could do it, I could do it. Totally agree. Totally agree. By the way, I, I, there's so many things, and I know we don't have all day. I wish we did, but um, because I know that you're the pastor of a church. Yeah. I, 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 I actually texted the pastor of our church this morning and got into a long conversation saying, dude, you got to get on here and watch today. <laughs> like, so, and of course he, he knows who you are. Um, so, so in your teenage years, you, I mean, did you find yourself then focusing on, on those three things? I mean, were you intentional about that? Very, very, very much so because okay. uh, I saw a lot of people who did not walk lives with any sense of purpose. And I have this saying that if you don't do something with life, life will do something with you. So mm -hmm. I was close enough to my uncles to see their life spiraling. I was close enough to friends that we grew up with and cousins and saw their life spiraling. And Ken, I didn't want that for myself. And I felt also a responsibility to be there for my mother. And so I really got very intentional about getting my way up and out. I didn't know exactly how I was going to do it, but I was very intentional. That is incredible. So did you graduate high school? Yeah, so I graduated high school. I go on to seminary. I continue to go on to seminary. I get a doctorate in world religion. What? Yeah. And, and why get a doctorate in world religion? Wow. I'm taking um, about seven years worth of classes on counseling, therapy, uh, crisis counseling, family counseling, and not to head towards a master's in that, but just because I was interested. Little did I know that um, through the seminary, because I wanted to be a humanitarian, yeah. I was very influenced by Nelson Mandela and Mother Teresa. So now I've been to 77 countries uh, helping people, speaking. I'll be in Switzerland in just five days. And then I'll be in Italy, uh, you know, four days after that, doing the same type of work. Wow. And so that, that's a beautiful thing about God, 
uh, there's actually a scripture that says, for God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or even imagine. So to think that I would go from just my sixth grade teacher saying, I think you're smart, to then finding a plan for my life and then ending up where I am right now and talking to you is uh, the grace of God, but it's also me listen, listening to direction. And and taking taking the action. I I, th I think that, <laughs> I mean, I'm not educating you. I'm just stating a point. But you, yeah. you know, I, I've carried with me when I was, I, this 30 years ago, um, a pastor of a church gave me, and it's tattered. I carried it in my wallet. Even when I was homeless, yeah. I carry this. And there's a dollar bill stapled to the back of it that used to be brand new. And it's Malachi 3. And, and it was, and I never spent that dollar. Even when I didn't have a dollar, I'd never spent it. I, I'm like, no, I feel like that would be sacrilegious. But like, I, 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 you know, I think that people need to learn. And this is what you live your life by. I, I just know it. I've seen so many videos of you and um, yeah, it, you live your life to give to others. Yeah, I do. And so I think, I think the reality is, um, like I, I've been fortunate and, and James Barber knows this about me that when, when I started helping in Hollywood, I remember Diane Cannon introduced me to, uh, people like Jack Lemon, Walter Matthau. Wow. I later became great friends with James Kahn who just passed in the last couple of months. In fact, I was so close to James Kahn. I, I did his wife's, his former wife's funeral, just like maybe seven years ago. Oh my gosh. I became very close with Charlton Heston. I would have amazing dinners with Tony Curtis and Lee Iacocca was my mentor in business. So, I mean, what, what young inner city kid gets these kind of situations starting in my late twenties. Wow. And I'll never forget what Lee Iacocca said to me. And for those that don't know who he is, he was, he was like a Jeff Bezos of his day. Yeah. And he said to me, uh, Tim, God would never have allowed you this front row seat to this many iconic minds unless he was going to do something with you and through you, through what you're learning. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something, Ken. I never thought, oh, I get to get close to them because I'm going to be them. No, I thought I'm going to get close to them. I'm going to really learn from them. And then someday I'm going to pass it on. And that's what I've been able to do. I've been able to, to pass on a lot of amazing secrets from people that definitely had secret sauce. <laughs> 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 this is this okay this this may quickly be becoming one of my my favorite interviews i i think that so so you got you got your doctorate in in world religion world i keep wanting to say theology world religion um yeah. and you left there and and what what where did you go from there did you start your own church no i go i go there and um I become like Forrest Gump. It's like um, while I, while I'm in while I'm in seminary, 
I had created a, um, a inspirational motivational plan for inner city kids. So even my junior year of seminar seminary, I was going throughout, uh, various inner cities, uh, speaking on thinking big and small places and the power of a dream. And it ha so happened that a football player by the name of Reggie White, uh, who played for the Philadelphia Eagles at the time, and then goes on to Green Bay Packers, he saw me speak one place and he says, listen, I have money and you have an amazing gift. I'm going to help. He started placing me in the NFL, speaking in all these chapels. And these NFL players started funding my nonprofit, which became the Story Dreams Foundation. So I was going to all these inner city places. And uh, as a very young man, I created something with another uh, uh, group of people called Hope for LA. And I got the, uh, at that time, it was the Oakland Raiders football team. Now it's Las Vegas Raiders. I got the Raiders involved. I got I got movie stars involved. I started bringing people in, and it just became this gigantic movement in Los Angeles. And then I started doing this in inner cities around the world, including wow. places like Soweto, South Africa, Manila, the Philippines. Yeah. And what is the primary message you're carrying? What's what is uh, what are you bringing to these kids? Yeah, I think I think the primary message was one I worked out with a um, a psychology teacher who at that point was at USC named Dr. Helen Mendez, and we created this system that in in order to get out of a setback, you, number one, you have to become awake. Number two, you have to take inventory, and I think that many times when you're in pain, you don't want to take inventory because. Mm -hmm. Taking inventory, if you have a stack of bills, means you got to look through all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who wants to do that? That's boring. <laughs> you see? So you become awake, secondly, yeah. take inventory. And then a lot of my strength is on the power of partnership. I really believe this thing, because I think people say it too quickly. They'll say, like, you know, you are the sum of the friends that are closest to you. But but this this is so real. You could become awake, take inventory, but uh, you have to partner with the right people, but people with a similar mindset and people with similar motives. Yeah. And that's why I'm glad when you mentioned who some of your friends are, including James Barber, yeah. because I know James has a very strong mindset and really good motives. Yeah. But so you, you just quickly you become awake, take inventory, partner with the right people. And then here's the key. You have to have the right principles. And so I'm really into this kind of Stephen Covey way of teaching of the core principles. So it's a core principles in which I live by. And I think those are the things that keep me grounded, keep me realistic. Um, I don't have a Messiah's complex. I just know I'm one of about 8 billion people. And so I just hope to do the plan I'm supposed to do on this planet. I'd say you're, you're, you're on the right path, I think. Um, so let me ask you, you, you said it maybe three times. I know at least twice. You have to become awake. And, and yes. there's a wonderful book Anthony DeMello wrote about called Awareness. And he, he says that throughout the book. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Uh, 
can you define that for me for the audience like what does it mean to become awake yeah so um i probably would like to read his book so you, you have to text me later the name of that book but to to, to me in the studies that me and dr helen mendez uh did on this is that we believe that um you know when obviously when when you are asleep that then you are not awake right and this idea of 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 being asleep while you're awake is not good and so that's that's kind of how i see it it's like a person that has to go somewhere and they they're driving and they got so much on their mind that they pull up into the driveway and they go i just drove 30 minutes i don't even know how i got here yeah so so people are sleep driving they they are sleep uh walking through a marriage and it could be 10 years of of, of sleepwalking through the marriage yeah yeah they're sleep parenting they're not awake they're at the kids soccer game and they're so distracted that they didn't see that the kid scored the first goal so this idea of of of, of awake is to be fully present, fully feeling, fully alive. That, that you are alive in your awakeness. So you talk about, um, you talk about, and and forgive me if I if I don't get this one hundred percent correct, but you talk about working your land. Um, yeah, one of, my, one of my favorite things to talk about. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite things to hear you talk about. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I have to ask when you say working your land, what does that mean? And I may even dig a little deep on this with you, if you're okay with that. Yeah, I, I would like to. Okay. So here's what I think. I think that um, what the media presents us since we're little kids is what I would consider the harvest of something like your little kid and you start seeing around November, these commercials for Christmas presents. So it might be a, a bicycle, it might be a, a, a toy. It might be a, a Sony PlayStation. I would consider that the harvest. Okay. And then we become adults and we're like, okay, what's your major in college? What are you going to become? And then that becomes the heart. So let, let's take um, someone like James, who's an amazing actor. So he ends up about nine times in different Broadway shows. So that would be the harvest. And people would say, well, well if he could do it, I could do it. Well, not necessarily so. <laughs> no. Because to, to, to get a harvest, you first have to plow the ground. And I was just with a bunch of farmers last week in Texas talking through this again wow so you have to plow the ground so you know before you become this person that has this amazing harvest you might have to work at a shoe store you might have to be a dishwasher right yeah might have to work odd jobs but i'm okay with that because that's working your land so you, you're plowing the ground but here's the key ken you got to plant the right seed mm. uh, i think that the right seed is in your discipline your your education it's in your attitude it's in your kindness 
So every day I try to teach people to plant good seed because today's decisions are tomorrow's realities. Wow. And I promise you, I see this. So even in Robert Downey Jr. and working with Robert, the idea is when, when he was feeling overwhelmed, I said, okay, Robert, you got a, you got a, a bag of positive seeds on the right, negative seeds on the left. Because you're going through so much, it'd be easier to do the negative seeds and say negative words, have negative thoughts, have more negative actions, but you're going to reap what you sow. So you plow, you plant, almost done, you water. Water's repetition. Ken, this is where I lose people. Most people want to do things a couple of times and then get the effects. Yep. Like I joined the gym (laughs) and they go like once a month. (laughs) Okay. Have you been following me or? <laughs> uh, I have. So you, you got to plow, you got to plant, you got to water. Yeah. And then the, the beautiful thing is that then payday is on its way. It is the law of the harvest. So any anybody that I've ever talked to, that beautiful things have happened. I remember talking to Justin Timberlake before he was Justin Timberlake. And I was telling him about the law of the harvest. And now to see him as an older guy, and he's a great businessman. He became an actor. He's a he's a singer. He's doing so many different projects. So no, no matter younger people, older people, um, they follow this law of the harvest. And the beautiful thing about the law of the harvest, and I'll end with this part, is you just never know how, how big your harvest can become. Right. The harvest that I have, I did not see this coming. Please. So I, 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 and this is something that I don't put it like that. I I will reference you for the rest of my life from this day forward. Um, But people, I had John Lee Dumas on the show, who, as you know, has one of the top podcasts in the world all the time. And he said, he said, how many of these have you done at the time? I said, I have 320 and I'm at almost 500 now. And he said, Dude, that puts you in the top 1% in the world. Did you know that? And I'm like, shut up. No, it doesn't. I didn't like, I, I'm just doing my thing, bro. And and he's like, he's like, dude, people give up before they hit 50 on average. Wow. 50 episodes. Yeah. And, and so I think about that, Tim. I think how many people give up before you know it's the three feet from gold thing how many people give up and and i have this isn't working i'm going to go over here and do this i would i would say most because i think that that's where the power partnership comes in where we can um help each other can because we all have blind spots yeah yeah and the the more i hear about these stories about like i know the guys from journey so steve perry I've known for probably 25 years. Wow. And there were so many times that they were just going to quit. Uh, I was just with Smokey Robinson three weeks ago wow. for two hours, for two hours. That's he's like my brother. And I've known Smokey about 25 years as well. And he was telling me how many times Motown almost went down. Wow. And if that was a case, you would not have heard of Stevie wonder the same. He still would have done well, but not the same because he needed Barry Gordy. Yeah. Marvin Gaye, Smokey Robinson, Diana Ross and Supremes, 
the Jackson five all came out of a place that almost went down. Wow. Along your journey, how many times did you, how many times did you almost give up? I would say the biggest would be divorce because I, I was like, I was like the good kid. Um, like mm. in seminary, I was so devoted to like, to learn yeah. that I didn't date. And, um, that I married into this amazing family where the, the, the dad, uh, um, my father-in-law was, um, an advisor to two of the Bush presidents on urban affairs. Wow. So I, I marry into this amazing family to a wife that ends up getting her doctorate and becomes a college professor. And then the marriage just does not work. We were, we were from two different worlds. She's very quiet. My life got, uh, had more volume to it. She didn't really like the entertainer thing I was doing. And it was just two people that were different and it lasted 11 years. I think that I knew it was going to be painful, but I didn't know it was, was going to be that painful. And in full disclosure, Ken, I was the first time I ever heard negative things about me. In high school, I was liked for a sense of humor, for uh, athleticism, optimism. And then all of a sudden I was reading things on this thing they called the internet. And it was like, uh, yeah, he's great, but he left his family to make it big in Hollywood. And that was the first thing I, time I'd ever read negative things about me. Wow. And that was so difficult and the shame of why could I not make this work? So um, I, I say this now, because I'm mostly healed. That was so many years ago, about 20 years ago. Wow. Uh, but that was very, very painful. It's, it's, it's painful to feel like you've let your children down. You've let, I, I felt a lot that I let my father-in-law down and I didn't like that. So those were things mm -hmm. that I had to continue to work through. So no matter where you are in your journey, you, you have challenges. I'm, I mean, it's that, yes. that simple. Yeah. And, I, and I'm okay with them because I feel that, you know, sometimes in life we, we, we walk with a slight limp. And I think that that's one thing that keeps my feet on the ground. Like right now um, I have this show that I told you about that I'm in 90 airports around the world. Uh, it never happened to Ellen. It didn't happen to my great friend, Oprah, but it did happen to me. I'm in 90 airports of the world. So my friends on a daily basis are taking pictures and going, holy schmoly, you are at the Dallas airport that high. <laughs> I, I, I get them all the time and from a lot of people that these people would know. Wow. So when I see that, and I was just in the New York Post twice within the last month, I was in the New York Daily News. Wow. I'm in all these magazines. Um, I just did, uh, again, ABC Today show, uh, Good Morning America. Fantastic. Good going, Tim. But I still have a limp. And I'm okay with that limp. Yeah. Because that limp helps me to re remember that I'm a work in progress. You've said, you know, a couple of times you've you've talked about inventory. And, and I... I 
I think that people miss that part of of yeah. the the formula to success. You really have to dig in and take inventory. And I, I love that you talk about that. Yeah. And, and Ken, my inventory today is that um, like in my mind, I feel very strong in my spirit. I feel very strong. But I'm 61, which is very young, because I look at I look at Quincy Jones. He's 89. Wow. And he's doing great things. My buddy Barry Gordy's now 91. Wow. But I will tell you that you know it used to be I could fly all the way to South Africa. I could I could. This is a true story. This happened before. I arrived at two. Got through customs and spoke to 13,000 people at seven. That I will not do anymore. (laughs) (laughs) No. Nope. Nope. Now I get there two days before, get through jet lag, drink hot tea. (laughs) (laughs) Then I show up at seven. Wow. That's, that's gotta be intense. You know, the, one of the questions I ask every guest, um, I have this innate desire to, to change the world, like to, to wake people up, to get people to see their true potential. And I know that's, that's, that's your, your desire. Um, what do you think and the number one answer to this question is fear. So you have to do better than that. <laughs> so yeah. w- what do you think is stopping people from two things? Number one, real financial success. Yeah. And, and, and number two, freedom, happiness. I, 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 and I do think those two things are related. I think because f- I've been broken homeless and I've been wealthy and broken homeless is not fun. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to give you one you're going to like that is not going to be fear. Okay. I'm giving you full screen for this. Okay. It's going to be that you have to realize that something is attainable. So when my teacher, Mr. Probert, when I was in sixth grade said, Timmy story, I think you're brilliant. That seemed like beyond me, but he said, this is how you really exercise your brilliance and work harder. I want you to start by reading these kinds of books. Mm. And he had me start to read biographies about people like Michelangelo. And as I would read that someone like Michelangelo did so many great things, but yet he had challenges in his life. I said, Hey, I have challenges in my life too, but what he did was attainable. If I can help you to understand that this lofty dream you have is attainable, then I tell you what, it just makes it so different. So to know that something is attainable and it it starts small, it starts by crawling, then you stand, then you walk, then you run, which is passion, then you soar. So I break down things to where they're more attainable, losing two pounds. I'm not trying to get you to lose 15. I want to help you lose two pounds. I want you to be a little kinder to your wife and children that month, not overnight. Attainable goals 
build people's faith. Wow. So, so powerful. I hope people are taking notes. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a bunch of money at this on YouTube and promote the heck out of this. So, so there was a moment, my wife and I have been married coming up on 13 years. Yes. And, and there was a moment when we first met, we started an off open an office, had a handful of employees and um, this one day, this guy that worked for me, this big old dude, interrupts me and, hey, there's a guy out in the parking lot looking in the windows of your SUV. And I'm like, dude, get tell him, get the hell out of here. You're bigger than me. What, what are we doing here, man? And like, he's like, he has it blocked with his tow truck. I'm like, Toach, I'm on the phone. I'm like, uh, I'm going to have to call you back. I watched oh, yeah. my car get repossessed in front of all of my employees that day. And, and I, there was a moment, it was a fleeting moment, but there was a moment where I was like, what is the point of being on this planet? This sucks. Yeah. I'm humiliated. You know, are they all going to quit now? They're, you know, and it, what about the people who are barely hanging on They're Maybe their electric's been shut off. They don't know what to do. What do you say to them? So number one, Ken, that is very humiliating. Yes. Because it's it's almost like I went and got this car and now I can't pay these payments. And these people are saying, you can't pay your payments and now I can rightfully tow it and then people saw it. So yeah. for me, there's a lot of shame that can come with that. So I'm a firm believer of embracing painful moments and not just pushing them away. So if I was, if I was life coaching Ken at that time, I would say, let's feel it. Let's feel that. What did that feel like? Tim, it was embarrassing. It was, it was shameful. I've, I felt like a loser. I couldn't pay my bills. I want you to feel that for a while. Yeah. And you know that because we talked about, uh, friends of ours that are working through addiction. Yeah. You sometimes have to feel that crap for a while and, and, and know that it doesn't feel good. And then you become sick and tired of being sick and tired. Amen. Most people change when they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. I promise you, yep. you, you got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And <laughs> that's where I am able to really turn the light switch on on people and say, I don't know, maybe you like getting punched some more. Maybe you want three more years of being hit by Mike Tyson. But to me, I got sick and tired being sick and tired. So I decided to do my Tim story steps, become awake, take inventory, partner with the right people, find the right principles. When you find the right principles, then you find the right plan. And so, um, Yes, you got to be you got to get tired of being tired and then decide to rise back up. I know we have to wrap up because you have another commitment. So I want to say, number one, I'm so grateful that you came on today. I have your website going across the bottom. Tell everybody what you're up to now, how they can follow you, connect with you, yeah. hire you to coach them, all of the things. I think, I think two things I'll say to you quickly is that um, I'm an executive life coach for uh, the number one AI company in the world. 
that takes a lot of my time. And then I continue to coach people in entertainment. But if you feel like I could really help you, um, go to timstory.com and thanks for putting that across. Yeah. And we do do these one hour sessions uh, and it does cost because you should invest in yourself. And I give you homework to do before we dialogue. It'll change your life. It'll shake you up in such a beautiful way. The other thing is, is, and James Barber helped me with this with a commercial. I'm very good at helping people to become better communicators. Uh, and whether you're selling real estate, whether you're in sales, whether you are speaking as a school teacher or speaking from any stage. So I've been working on a project for 20 years called Mastering the Stage uh, with great acting coaches, voice coaches. So I have a whole program called How to Master the Stage. And a lot of people are going through that. And I love doing that. So two things I'll talk about today. One is life coaching one-on-one -on -one with me. That's all at timstory.com. You should go there quick. And then the mastering the stage. But Ken, let me say this as we're about to end. You are fantastic. I like your energy, your wit. Great questions today. Great questions. And you tell us, reach out to my guy, Joseph, if you don't mind. Yeah. Tell us how to advertise. So it looks like we're live right now. Is that correct? We are. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Send Joseph everything and we'll push it real big today as well. Uh, that's that's so awesome. I, I'm I'm honored. I, I'm I I I want to call you my my new friend, one of my yeah, new we're best friends. friends. <laughs> we're we're, we're, friend, we're friends. Yes. And um, I, I, I like you. Yeah. So let's Thank let's you. do some things together and let's let's yeah. help some people. Yeah. Let's do it, Tim. I'm gonna end this. I'm gonna end, everybody have a wonderful day, Tim. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being here today. And if you can hang on for one more minute and let me wrap this up and let's chat real fast. We'll see you guys later. Have a great day and go follow Tim's story everywhere.